Hey, I'm excited about our preacher this morning who's bringing us further in our series of Galatians. But before Mandy comes up here, I would like to say just a few things about what's going on in her life, right? As that was a terrible way of saying it. So Mandy is, <laughs> sorry, sorry. I promise, I, well, anyway. So Mandy is coming under care in our presbytery, which is a very exciting thing. Coming under care is a very fancy way of saying that she has recognized in her own life a call to, to voc- vocational ministry. And so we believe in both God calls men and women in an internal way, whereas the individual feels like they have a call to do this pastor thing, as beautiful and crazy as it is. And then there's also an external call where other people are around that individual saying, yes, we see it in you as well. So the, the undercare process is a process that our presbytery uses to discern both of those things. So for Mandy as an individual, as she's preparing herself through, through seminary and hands-on ministry here as well, she's, she's wrestling with that call, and she's also, by way of people in the presbytery, they're in, in, interacting with her, looking at her, saying, yes, Mandy, we see this, how can we help you, how can we support you uh, in, in this endeavor as you are fulfilling what God has called you to do. So it's a very exciting process. It will be official in January, but I'm letting you know now because it's just super exciting. It's really exciting. Okay? Yes, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yes. Bonnie, very good. If I would invite you to turn with me to the book of Galatians chapter 3. We're going to read verses 15 through the end of the chapter. But first, let me pray for us that God would speak to us in a in a challenging and also encouraging way. Father, we thank you for being good and gracious. Father, we are so imperfect, and we fall so short, yet, because of Christ, you look at us as lovely, wonderful creations that you adore. And so, Father, may may that never be old news to us. May we always get excited with the fact that the God of the universe longs to interact with us. So, Father, as Mandy brings your word this morning, would your spirit be ever-present? Father, would you challenge us where we need to be challenged? And would you encourage us where we need to be encouraged? And at the end of the day, Father, would Jesus be more beautiful to us than he's ever been before? It's in your name we pray. Amen. Paul writes in verse 15, Brothers and sisters, I give an example from daily life. Once a person's will has been ratified, no one adds to it or annuls it. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, as of many, but it says, and to your offspring. That is, to one person who is Christ. My point is this, the law which came 430 years later does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God so as to nullify the promise. For the inheritance comes from the law. It no longer comes from the promise, but God granted it to Abraham through the promise. Why then the law? It was added because of transgressions until the offspring would come to whom the promise has been made. And it was ordained through angels by a mediator. Now a mediator involves more than one party, but God is one. It is, is the law then opposed to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could make alive, righteousness would indeed come through the law. But the scripture has imprisoned all things under the power of sin, so that what was promised through the faith of Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Now before faith came, 
We were imprisoned and guarded under the law until faith would be revealed. Therefore, the law was our disciplinarian until Christ came, so that we might be reckoned, reckoned as righteous by faith. But now the faith has come. We are no longer subject to a disciplinarian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. As many of you who, was, who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male or female. For all of you are one in Christ. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Amen. Thank you, Nathan. Thank you all. It's been so wonderful becoming a part of this church family. I'm so glad to be here with you today. Um, my husband and son are here as well, and um, my younger son. We've all just been grateful to be part of this. Often we, the four of us, attend usually the nine o'clock service because it's the time of SMIBS, which is the Sunday morning youth Bible study that Will teaches. And um, we're just so grateful for that too. Um, learned so much. So Nathan read to us today from the NRSV version of the Bible, which is a relative of the ESV, both versions um, coming from a parent version called the RSV, the Revised Standard Version. Um, I chose the NRSV today to preach from uh, because it's very close to the ESV in many ways. But one thing that the translation team chose to do was to translate terms like brothers um, in the Greek into brothers and sisters, um, which we often know that's the intent, right? This is for the church, and the church includes all people, the children, the women, the men, all together and um, in Christ. So um, that's the reason that I chose that today, but I hope you'll follow along in whatever version you brought with you, um, and feel free to do that. Um, I think that's one of the abundant gifts that we have in the English language is so many wonderful translations to choose from. So that can be really exciting. So I'll just pray because um, I'm here with you to participate in this adventure of entering into God's word and entering into Galatians. So I'm going to pray just briefly. Lord, here we all are. We just sit in your presence for a moment and breathe. You've given each one of us the breath of life and your word is food to us your gospel is life to us. Be with us now and lead us forward. It is you, Lord, who we want to hear today. Thank you, Lord. Amen. One of the things I love to do is read people's stories. And often that's in the form of a biography or an autobiography, sometimes a memoir. I love to um, find out about their lives. We're all so unique and individual, and everyone has different experiences. And so I was reading a biography recently um, that I really enjoyed very much. It was about someone who was a believer for most of their life, um, from very young age all the way through. And so reading the story of this individual, hearing about their life of faith and how they entered into serving the Lord with their gifts and abilities, being part of the church, and um, going all the way uh, through their life. But then also, there were the aspects of this person's life revealed in their journals and their letters, where they were questioning different things about the faith, 
where they were perhaps putting forward things about the faith that are different from what we might find in scripture that were not in line with the gospel. Um, and this person lived such a life of faith that they were widely known. They wrote many books, they taught, and they counseled people, and they were revered for all these things. Um, but this particular biography chose not to shy away from those parts of this person's life that were less in line with the gospel. And I was so grateful for that because it's so wonderful to learn from people, both from their good examples and how they followed Christ their whole life, and also for the ways that they fell short, because we all do. We all do fall short. And so I appreciated that in this biography, and to see that life of faith lived out and see how God used this person throughout their life. But then also I found out that there was another biography of this person that has come out at about the same time. And this biography chose to do a different thing. And I haven't read it. I've only read the reviews and a description of it. But it, apparently this other biography was more endorsed by the family and things, but it chose to kind of not include all the parts where this person may have strayed from the way of the gospel or had held beliefs that were maybe not so in line with scripture, um, or even the hard doubts and questions that are a common part of the walk of faith. So um, I haven't read it yet, and I probably should just to compare, but it made me think about how we remember people of faith and how it can be tempting sometimes to remember someone who has become basically a Christian celebrity, who's written books, who speaks, who teaches, and is widely heard and known we can tend to want to overlook the things that might not be in line with the gospel. We can tend to want to listen to them and be so a part of that school of thought that we kind of forget to compare those things with scripture. And um, this is related to the story of the Galatians. These Galatian Christians ranging over a number of cities in this region of the world that Paul had been there, he had poured into them, he had taught them the gospel. And then he had to leave and move on because that was his call, was to go and plant churches all over. And then they were learning, they were growing in the faith, and they had Jewish Christian missionaries or Jewish Christian representatives come to them who were Christians, who were teaching the gospel too, but who were teaching in a different way than what Paul had taught and were adding things to what Paul had shared with them. So they were in this position of listening to these teachers, and Paul was in the position of being from afar, hearing about this and being like, whoa, wait a second, what are you doing? You're listening to them? I was just there with you. I taught you the gospel. And this experience leading to this letter, which we, we read it, we're like, whoa, Paul, you, I think Pastor Matt has said it well, he knows how to confront people, right? He knows he's confrontational throughout this letter. And it comes out in language like, you foolish Galatians, you know, at the beginning of chapter three. And we're like, how are they receiving this? Like, how would you feel if someone wrote you a letter and they were like, foolish, like, and you foolish Todd. Like, I know that would be hard for him. Um, and that would be hard for me, you foolish Mandy. Like, what are you thinking? So it, it leads us to delve deeper into the stories of these people in their lives um, because we see Paul reaching out um, yelling out across the miles with this letter to try to get their attention. Um, they've put these Jewish Christian teachers in a position of authority, and they're listening to them, and they're starting to go the way of these people. Um, so I thought we would look at these stories, look at the stories of the different people involved, one of them being Paul. When Paul yells at them in, in this letter, where is he coming from? What does he share about himself here? 
Um, it can be tempting to think that Paul possibly thought he was better than them and was talking down to them, scolding them like children. But when we look back in the beginning of Galatians, we see that he actually shares about who he was, that he was someone who persecuted the church of God before, that he, with actual hatred in his heart, was chasing down believers and trying to put them in prison. Now, this was before Christ interrupted Paul's life with the good news of the gospel and transformed him. But he reminds them of this history in this letter. He reminds them of who he was before. And then there's the story of Peter here that Paul shares. Peter being a person, it was wonderful during day camp here at the barn. We focused on the life of Peter. And I get to see him as a person like I hadn't before. That he was an ordinary person, that he had been working, fishing for a living, that Jesus interrupted his life with a call to follow him, and he did. But he was the one who was often asking the questions that you're like, Peter, what are you thinking? <laughs> or, Peter, maybe you should just be quiet and listen for a little while before you start to, like, say things. But who hasn't been in that position before? I mean, here I am. <laughs> but here we see Peter, and he's become, at this time, a leader in the church. You might remember, if you've read the book of Acts, how the Holy Spirit came down, filled them all, the believers, on the day of Pentecost. And Peter stood up and preached an amazing sermon. And he was a pillar of the church, Paul says here. But then there was a situation when Peter came to Antioch, and he had been eating with all the other believers and been in fellowship with all of them. But when certain Jewish people came from James, he withdrew from the people that he'd been eating with and started keeping away from them which was the Jewish way at that time, was to not eat with Gentiles, not to eat the same food, and to keep a separation. So he went back to that way of life, and Paul confronted him for that. But I think it's important for us to recognize, here we have Paul, who comes out of a history of murderous hatred toward the church, but who, whose life God has changed and revolutionized. And we have Peter, whose life had been changed in Christ, but then went back to an old way, and Paul needed to confront him about that, about the hypocrisy that he was living out. And then we have these Jewish Christian missionaries, is what I've been calling them, that may not be the most appropriate term, who've come to the church of Galatia, and they've heard what Paul has taught them, that Paul has taught them the gospel. But these people also have a history. They have grown up in the Jewish faith. They have grown up believing that one of the most important events of history was the giving of the law. And one of the most important events and one of the most important people for them was Abraham. That they were children of Abraham and that keeping the law or the Torah was their way of life. It was the way that they honored God and lived for him and kept the covenant. And so though they have taught the Galatian believers a way that is deviating from the gospel, as Paul puts it, they have a history too, and they have a way of life that they have not yet left behind fully. And I can have sympathy for them thinking about how they are less mature believers. However, the way that they go about what they're doing is out of line with the way 
that the gospel wants us to act. Here is Paul who has taught the gospel to the Galatian believers. And rather than going to Paul and saying, I think you need to change the way you've been teaching or we need to get together about this, these Jewish Christian missionaries have gone in and they've started teaching. They've started teaching the Galatian believers that they need to be circumcised, the male ones of them, in order to be fully involved in the church and to be fully part of it. And that's just a gateway into keeping other parts of the law. And they haven't gone to the authorities in the Church of Jerusalem. Instead, they've gone on with this teaching and um, have separated themselves from Paul, from the church in Jerusalem, and also have caused division in this Galatian, this Galatian churches. So you think about this happening among other, uh, multiple churches and spreading. And I think that takes us back to Paul and his tone of urgency. Here he is with his heart for this people. He knows that he's no better than they are, but he also knows that if he doesn't say or do something, they're going to be in danger, in danger from getting separated and apart from the gospel and from going in the wrong direction. So Paul cries out to them, oh, you foolish Galatians, not from a position of, you're so foolish, and I'm so much better than you, but from a position of, I'm so worried about you, because I've gone that way too. I've been so wrong too. I've had the zeal for the law that these Jewish Christian missionaries have. But Christ has changed my life, and I shared with you that gospel, and now this is threatening that. So as we look at this history and these stories of these people, we then come to the Galatian believers themselves. There were a variety of people, so various, different backgrounds come together. There was so much going on in the Roman Empire at that time. These are people from multiple cities, multiple backgrounds. Some of them have, have, um, are enslaved, most likely. Others are free people different stratas of society, different ethnicities, joined together in one body, or multiple bodies, as we're all joined together in one body, um, by the truth of the gospel. And they are learning and growing. And we can hope that they heard Paul's message and that they responded to that. I think from this, it's important for us to recognize a few things. One is, it can be very tempting to think that there are certain people in the church who are more important and more worthy and who are closer to God than others. It can be very tempting to think that some people's teaching is more important to listen to than others. But we have to be careful, because what made Paul's teaching so amazing wasn't Paul. It was the gospel. It was the message of Jesus Christ. And what makes a person a part of the church isn't how well that they speak or teach. It isn't how well they seem to be living out their life or the books they've written, the amazing example that might be held up in a biography and just admired by all. It's Jesus Christ. 
Let's look at the bit of Galatians there. Where it says in 23, before faith came, we were imprisoned and guarded under the law until faith would be revealed. Therefore, the law was our disciplinarian until Christ came, so that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer subject to a disciplinarian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. As many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Now the Jewish Christian missionaries thought that to be a special part of the church, you needed to keep that history of the Torah, that you needed to be Abraham's offspring through circumcision. But it wasn't through the Torah that the promise came. It wasn't being an offspring of Abraham that made one special in the family of God. Not in that way. The offspring of Abraham is Jesus Christ. As we see back in verse 16. Jesus Christ came to join us all together as one body so that anyone who is baptized into Christ is clothed with Christ, is joined in one body with him. Does that mean that we don't have distinctions as far as different ethnicities, different backgrounds, different genders, different statuses in society? We do, but none of those things makes us more or less a part of the family of God. There are a couple of things that I'm hoping that you'll hear from this message. One is that you are no less important to the family of God than any other person who is in Christ. And the other is that you are no more a part of the family of God than any other person who is in Christ. Whoever you are, you are welcome here. And if you are not yet a part of the family of God, God wants you. He loves you. And you are welcome to join his family through faith in Jesus Christ. The good news about Jesus The good news about Jesus is that every one of us, every single one of us, with all our variety, with all our shortcomings, with maybe our short tempers and tendency to conflict or be very upfront about what's upsetting to us, or if we're more, oh, I don't want to deal with conflict. I want to stay as far from it as possible. If we to think how to put this in the right way. One of the things I love about Matt is he's always up here, he's take a break. Think about what you want to say before you say it. 
And words are hard. That's one of my favorite quotes of his. Whoever we are, we can be who God created us to be. We can be joined to the body of Christ through Christ. And we can know that there is no one among us who is more valuable to our Lord. And there is no one among us who is less valuable. So a challenge to us is to consider how am I viewing my brothers and sisters in Christ? Are there some that I admire and I inflate and I want to think only the best of them because I want them to be a hero to me? Are there some that I would rather not spend time with or think about because I don't think that they really belong here for some reason? I can say that I've had both of those situations where I have inflated and held superior some people, tried hard to win their favor, admired them, put them on a pedestal. And there have been others that I have ignored or dismissed as not an essential part of the body of Christ. And I confess that before you and I confess that before the Lord in sorrow. The reality is that all of us who are baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And what does that mean? That means that his spirit lives inside of us. That means that he fills us with his presence every day. He joins us together as one body of fellowship. So that as my family and I have experienced we don't have to get it right all the time to be loved. We don't have to look a certain way or act a certain way to be cared for by other people in our church, our family. We can truly be together and enjoy each other's company and hear the Holy Spirit in each other as we speak to one another and teach each other and pray for each other and encourage each other. I love what Nathan said. This is not a situation where I'm up here talking and you're not participating and I get to be up front and you. No, we are here together. We are here learning and growing together. In Christ, we get to be joined together in that way, in a way that is so different from anything that we would see out in the world, in a way that helps others know that Jesus is real, the gospel is truth, and we want them to be part of it too. We want everyone to know this good news. So I'll end just by focusing on that good news and another little part of Galatians here in chapter three, a little bit before where Nathan read for us. It says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree in order that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, to all, so that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. 
Lord, I humble myself before you. We all come to you. Let's humble ourselves before our God. Lord, we're grateful that you are above us, one God, one Lord, Jesus Christ, and that Jesus Christ, you came down to us to be human. And you died for us, you became a curse for us. So that by faith in you, we would put you on and be filled with your spirit and be joined together in one family, in one body. And Lord, each one of us is an essential part of that body. There is no one who is closer to God. There is no one who is farther away. Instead, all of us who believe in you, Jesus Christ, are joined together and are filled with your Holy Spirit. And Lord, if there's anyone here today who does not yet know you and believe in you, Lord, you invite them. You invite them to come to you, to put their faith in you and to know you. And Lord, whatever process each one of us is in, in our lives, responding to you, wherever we are in our journey, thank you. Thank you for your example to us, Jesus of faithfulness. Thank you for these people, Paul, Peter, the Jewish Christian missionaries, the Galatian believers. We can learn so much because we're all human. You are our God. Thank you, Lord. We put our faith in you. Amen.